Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. In this podcast, we talk to experts in and around the analytics industry. One week, we may talk to a data scientist from a FANG tech company. Then the next week, we may talk to a data engineer or business analyst, or even I may pull one of my consulting clients so you get to hear from an executive on how they use data to drive business decisions day in and day out. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm the founder of Silvertone Analytics, which is a boutique consulting agency that focuses on analytics for medium to small size businesses. I'm also a professor at Greensboro College, where I teach analytics. Most recently, I have founded the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program, which melds these two job functions together. This is your opportunity to work directly with me and one of my clients. The Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program is a three-month program. In the first month, you're going to be completing the Analytics Foundation Certification backed by Greensboro College. Then in month two, you're going to be taking that knowledge base that you developed in month one and applying it out in the field where you're going to be working with one of my client's executive teams where you're going to be solving a business problem using data and analytics tools. Then in the third month, we're going to bring it all together with a full month of career services. Now, this is going to be quite a bit different than the typical career services at a university or a college. Here, I'm going to help you build a professional brand around where you are as an analyst. So in the first month, you have worked with a ton of different data sets. We're going to take the data sets that really resonate with you to help you hone in on your ideal entry-level job. We're going to build a Tableau public portfolio around that area of expertise. We're going to razor focus your resume and LinkedIn. And I'm also going to coach you on how to talk about yourself in an interview setting. So if you're ready to break into the analytics space, head over to learn.silvertoneanalytics apprenticeship. And there you can learn more about the program. And if you're interested, you can apply. With all that being said, let's start the podcast episode. Hello, and welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. In this podcast episode, our guest lecturer is Angela Baltes. Now, Angela has a very non-traditional story of success when it comes to the analytics industry. So just in a nutshell, to give you kind of a highlight reel, she went from a GED in high school all the way to a PhD. So she kind of got an interesting start in life in that she dropped out of high school in the 10th grade and then went back to get a GED. But she is now killing it. And there's so many lessons that we can learn from her success story. So we're going to start off this podcast episode, just a one-on-one conversation with me and Angela about her path in the analytics industry. 
Then we're going to jump into an interactive portion with my student Christina and Angela. So Christina, if you are a podcast listener, uh, you may recall that in a previous episode, she actually got accepted into Wake Forest Masters of Analytics program. So she has a lot of questions about, number one, is that the right program for her? Um, how can she make the most? What are the different pathways? Should she potentially get a PhD? So on and so forth. So Christina has so many questions to ask Angela, and I kind of facilitate that conversation. Then we're going to wrap up the podcast episode with our social media manager, Al Bellamy, who's going to facilitate the Q&A with Angela and the LinkedIn questions that you guys submitted. So if you are not currently following us, head over to LinkedIn and check out the How to Get an Analytics Job webpage. And each week you can submit questions to ask our guests for that week. This podcast episode is brought to you by Panoply. Panoply is a platform built for analysts that connects over 60 different data sources, making it easy to explore your data in SQL, visualize it in tools like Power BI and Tableau, or you can even analyze it in your favorite programming language. Click the link in the description down below and you can start a free 14-day trial to panoply.io. If you're getting a lot of value out of the podcast, the best thing that you can do to give back to us is leave a like, a comment in the comment section down below, or even share this video. So if you can share it on LinkedIn, Reddit, Facebook, wherever you're engaging in social media, that would really help us out. Without further ado, let's jump into the podcast episode. Angela Baltez, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Well, I've been flying around by the seat of my pants. I got here two minutes before we got on this call, so if I'm a little frazzled, that's that's why. But um, what we're going to be talking about today is your career success story, which I didn't realize how kind of unorthodox your career path was. So I guess let's start off the conversation with, can you just walk us through kind of what's been your journey? Because I know you are currently a PhD in, is it bioinformatics? Biomedical informatics. Wow, that's impressive. So, uh, okay. Um, well, uh, I actually, I, I was originally a high school dropout. I dropped out of high school in the t- 10th grade. Um, and then from there, I kind of floated around. I worked at Blockbuster Video, so now you know how old, how old I am. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And from Blockbuster, I was thinking I should probably do something else. I worked at Blockbuster. I worked at Walmart as a cashier. And I I thought that I should enroll in school. So I first uh, decided to enroll in college at 21. And I got my GED uh, the year before when I was 20. And um, I started my career, my Uh, academic career in criminology. So my bachelor's degree is in criminology. I graduated in 2005. Um, And I I was actually really exposed to data analytics then before I even knew that was a thing. We were analyzing crime data. So um, with SPSS. So which was kind of it was interesting. It's not as streamlined as some other data analytic tools, which I found out later. But yes, this of my first introduction to uh, data analysis. From there, a few years, I just, I worked for a bit and then I decided to enroll in a master's degree program for public administration and also more data analysis. That was another component of that degree program and um, really working in groups, um, reading a lot of journal articles, Uh, That was um, kind of a new experience for me. So through that master's degree program, I learned how to present in front of people, which I wasn't that good at. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, um, did that, really loved learning. So at that point, between the bachelor's degree and that first master's, I found out I loved learning, even though as a high school dropout, school was a bit harder for me. I was able to get up to speed. Um, was just studying and observing other people, um, reading more, kind of uh, also surrounding myself with like-minded individuals. And so um, after that first master's, when I graduated, I decided to pursue a second in information technology. And I went that route because um, 
I felt that technology was probably a good place to work in. I didn't necessarily think I had a technical skill set at that time or a technical mindset. Uh, so I pursued that degree. And Wait, so this is actually really interesting. I, I was waiting. I think let's go back to re, like kind of reemphasize. So you dropped out of high school, then you're like in two master's degree programs. Yes. And what's interesting about that is I, I feel like I can relate in that I didn't really come into, I don't know, like hitting my full stride until I got to my master's degree. Because I mean, I did just the bare minimum through high school and even <laughs> through undergrad too. Like what, what's funny is like, I was um, kind of like optimization minded because I, I figured out that in high school I could take AP classes and there was no busy work. So there was a midterm and a final. So all I had to do was just cram and study for those. And I put in like the bare minimum effort. And I think that a lot of this goes to, it sounds like you were genuinely engaged and intrigued and you weren't necessarily in high school. Yeah. So I, my, the, the fire was lit, like during the bachelor's degree, I was just exposed to all this, these different types of uh, critical thinking methods and people that were excited about school. And then some people that weren't, that were just kind of going through the motions. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that was my point in which I grew up during college, during the, my undergrad. So maybe that was my high school since I didn't go. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the first master's degree, that's when, in a way, I hit a stride. I was like, I can do this. I actually can see there's some sort of future ahead. And then I decided to go in technology because um, I, I, it was almost like, this seems like a good idea. I didn't have any training, really. I it was just one of those things I read about and thought I'd try it. So I, I graduated with that degree in information technology and found out that I actually had some aptitude for certain things in technology. And uh, data analysis was not something I studied during that degree program, but this was roughly about the time when you apply for jobs, there was a lot of data analysis types of roles. Mm. Um, and I was getting offers for those types of roles when I would apply for them. I, I had something I didn't know I had at the time. Um, so I went with it. Yeah. That, that was almost how I ended up in this field. I just decided to give something a try. Th that is really interesting. Cause I, when I was in like my earlier side of my education, in my undergrad and high school, I actually kind of thought I just wasn't very smart academically. But what's interesting is that while I was in high school, I started learning guitar and music. And I really learn better through like ap applying knowledge, which is kind of how I structure my college classes. Um, it's really interesting though, like that kind of getting, I don't know, intrigued or curious because yeah, I totally was not in that, in that space early on. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one -on -one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Or maybe you just weren't sure what you had the aptitude for. That's where I was. That's like, what am I good at? What am I interested in? So I was, I was interested in a lot of different things. Didn't really know what I was good at. Um, so yeah, data analysis. I found I loved it. I found I actually, I'm kind of, I'm geared towards that type of work. I just didn't know when I was much younger. True. 
Okay, so you went through a first master's and then a second, which I mean, that's, that just sounds like so much work. It was a lot of work and I worked, <laughs> I worked the entire time. So um, I was one of those students that I don't come from a family that um, really understood or believed in education, unfortunately. So uh, I had to work to keep a roof over my head, keep a car, eat. So each one of those degrees came with like significant sacrifice. Wow. That's, but I mean, that it's, it's, I guess, let me ask you this. Do you feel like it provided a good return on investment and for you specifically? I do. But if you asked me this a few years ago, I would have said no. Ooh, why? Um, well, there was a point in which uh, it was very hard to find work. Um, also, I didn't, there were some skills I just didn't really have. I didn't know how to tailor my resume. I didn't really know how to sell myself. I didn't know how to uh, showcase my skills that was attractive for a company. Mm. So like 10 years ago or so, um, I would have said, gosh, these degrees weren't a great use of my time. Now I can tell you they were a great use of my time, but it's because I've been able to acquire all those other skills that make that make me a package. I mean, that's not, I feel like the audience by this point is so tired of hearing this, but we keep pushing that over and over again of quit overvaluing hard skills and focus some, and spend some solid time on soft skills. So I'm, I'm very curious, how did you develop? It sounds like you develop what sales skills and then also kind of uh, a self-reflection of this is the skill set that I have. This is where the demand is this is where I need to build my career. It was, uh, I wasn't really aware of who I was at that time. This is probably, this might be a deeper conversation than what people were bargaining for, but being aware now of what I offer, who I am, um, and how valuable my education is as a package, I can sell myself appropriately in my resume. And when I have interviews and when I speak to people, I can, because at first people were looking at my education going, these degrees don't make sense. You have criminology, you have information technology, you have public administration. You wouldn't be, there's no way you'd be good at this job. And now I say, actually, I am good at it. And here's the proof. And if you can't see the bigger picture, perhaps I just don't want to work here. I don't Ooh, say that. Wow, just, that is a power move right there. <laughs> I don't say that. I just go, yeah. This it's just is the not attitude. What I want. That, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, we actually did a whole like segment in one of the previous podcast episodes on elevator pitches. So it sounds like you developed your elevator pitch. And I, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I didn't know we were going to head down this specific direction. But let, do you want to role play? Like, I am potentially going to hire you how would you explain because it, it it does seem like a very i don't know if it's not like a point. straight path right so how do you communicate that nebulousness because i think that this is actually a point that for those of you who are going to be listening on the podcast or the youtube platform um we get criticism that we focus too much on students but i think that this is some advice that those people who are maybe working in another field and trying to pivot into analytics, they could really benefit from. Yes. You can, you can bring those, those, whatever you've learned in other fields, they will apply here in some way. And you may have to pick up some of the technical skills on your own, but mm -hmm. what you bring with you is valuable. And I had to learn that what I had to offer was valuable. I was listening to people telling me that my education and my experiences didn't mean anything. And so I had to kind of gain that confidence along the way to show people, yes, I do offer something that's worthwhile, but you'll have to kind of be that employer. That's like, I don't understand these degrees and it's not math. It's not computer science. So how, why should we hire you? And you, you'd have to start off like that. Cause I have, I have an approach for that. Okay. All right. So let me, let me get into character right now. So I am the curmudgeon hiring manager who's saying, well, I'm impressed that you have multiple master's degrees, but I just don't see the through line. Like what, where, where, how are you going to provide value for our company? It, it just seems like you're all over the place. Well, each one of these degree programs uh, offered 
and gave me valuable skill sets in which I would be offering to your company. In criminology, that was actually my first introduction to data analysis in 2006 and seven and eight, before data analysis became so mainstream. Um, and I packaged that and I brought that with me into my uh, education with in, uh, public administration, which I further developed those data analysis skills. I can critically analyze uh, our, uh, journal papers and other uh, articles. And also the IT were kind of built upon that. Now I added those technical skills on top of those skills that I would be using with your at your company, data analysis, communicating results, presenting my information, um, being able to pick apart other pieces of information. And also here's my portfolio that's full of data analysis and uh, uh, analytical work that I've already done over the past seven, eight years. Wow. That was a fan. You, you did like a whole brand stack. Like you, you took what you, you did, especially specifically let's, let's, let's root down on the criminology. So you're saying like, well, actually what they taught us was data analysis, just yes. in, in a very unique or, or not, maybe not a unique, but just a counterintuitive use case. Kind of, kind of a specific way. Before right. I even knew what I was doing, it's like, oh, I was analyzing data before it became the rage, kind of. Um, so I, I, I just needed to continue to build upon that. And then I use different tools to analyze data. I can analyze different types of data sets. I can pivot into different fields now. Uh, so, and also those soft skills, those are actually really meaningful in this field. You are talking to people a lot. Yeah. So, so I, I guess, hold on, let, let me, you did three things. So number one, you pivoted what you're, you did with your criminology degree into, this actually is data analysis. Number two, I heard critical thinking, which yes. I think that is huge. Being able to problem solve, being able to kind of have leadership or, or being kind of self-sufficient. And then number three, you've, you've got a portfolio built out. So I mean, like that is a very solid three point brand stat from like a personal brand standpoint. And a resume that shows I, I do this over and over. I can go into different domains and do the same thing, provide results. So the, at this point, the fact that I have degrees in different areas doesn't even matter. And I don't think it should matter. Wait, say that and again. That's, that's the way. The fact that I have degrees in different fields like criminology, public administration, IT, biomedical informatics, it's a package. I picked... I took things with me from each field and I make that work in every company and they benefit. And I have to basically sh share with them how you will benefit from these skills. Right, because you, you're getting taught how to think critically and analyze data. I mean, that's kind of at the end of the day what you're doing day in and day out right now. And talk to uh, uh, stakeholders and present um, and also, that's a skill set. Presenting your results is a skill set that I was able to pick up in public administration. That was a lot of presenting in front of groups, hmm. uh, actually, and working with people. That was when I really learned how to work with people. Was during that program. I'm still I'm still learning how to work with people. Because <laughs> well, it's funny because you um, I I started off. I got my MBA and then I went directly into consulting. It was just me working on specific freelance consulting projects where, I mean, I would interface with the client, but like now I'm to a point where I'm starting to subcontract. And I mean, even, I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but um, what we're doing this semester is I have two of my consulting clients, the students are working on two projects with them. So they're kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say they're subcontractors because this is, you know, I mean, when, when you're doing kind of a capstone or a student project, the, the, the standards expectations are quite a bit lower, but they are doing real world work that is benefiting the client. So I'm learning how to kind of facilitate that. And it's, I'm not good at it. I'm not, not at least, I'm, I'm not bad at it, but I could be a lot better at it at this point. It'll take practice. Yeah. You'll get better at it the more you do it. That's true. Okay, so wait, we just talked about, so GED to criminology undergrad, two master's degree, then you took it even a step further, right? I did. I pursued a uh, PhD in biomedical informatics in 2016. I was working solely in healthcare 
I, I love working with healthcare data, love it. And I was like, I want to pursue a, a degree field that focuses specifically on that. But again, I picked up other skill sets during that degree that wasn't necessarily just about healthcare. Um, I was able to really just kind of pivot. I, I learned that's about the time I could kind of pivot back and forth, look at different data sets um, in different domains. Not that I'm an expert in any domain I might pivot into, but I can pick up the information rather quickly. And uh, you almost have to do that in a PhD program. You have to be really self-sufficient. You have to learn quickly. Um, there's no one helping you. So also I worked <laughs> and I was working. So people were asking, I don't understand. You were in a PhD program and working? Yes. Wow. I, I worked. So, and I just graduated last year. So um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that kind of, kind of, awesome. kind of uh, just surprised with myself. So I looked back and I, I found my old GED and went 17 years apart GED. And here's my last credential. That's awesome. So that's so, it's such a unique, what's funny for those of you guys who are listening out um, in the podcasting world, I didn't know that you ha you got the GED until like two minutes before we got on air. <laughs> So yeah. I got to throw a curveball here, uh, but no, but I think that like just adds a whole nother layer to um, the story because it's like you got kind of an, a weird start, but then you got out of that and then completely changed your trajectory, which is, I mean, that's hugely commendable. That's, that's awesome. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't know where some of your students started or what, you know, was their undergrad or is this an undergraduate program, this master's? Okay, yeah, so this is an undergraduate. So I, the two classes I'm teaching right now are case studies and business analytics and the analytics capstone minor course. So the students here are from my analytics minor capstone course. Okay, yeah, so. so it's, it's all undergrad. Great, well, I, I just wanted to say, I mean, it, it feels like getting into an analytics job may be daunting, but I actually think um, with with a little bit of strategy and some really some hard work, you'll get a lot of no's, but you'll get some yeses also. And I think that anything is pretty much possible. I mean, I came from zero. Um, and so if you put in the time and maybe make some good decisions along the way, you could, you could actually find a, a great job in analytics you love. And there's actually different fields that you can go into in analytics. It's like an umbrella, different domains. That's actually a perfect segue. So the first section, we were just kind of hearing your story. Then Now let's move into the interactive um, section of the, this episode where uh, Christina, one of my students, actually just in one of the previous episodes, she got accepted to Wake Forest Master's Analytics Program. Um, and what I thought we would do for this interactive segment is just kind of have a three-way conversation between me, you, and Christina about how should you think about higher education beyond your, you know, undergraduate degree? Uh, Christina, because okay. I know you've got some very specific questions to ask, right? Yes. Um, so here's the thing. falls right into the questions that I had prepared. I was just like talking to John David about the fact that, like you mentioned, there's so many different areas that you can go into when you choose, you know, to go into analytics. Um, so when you're trying to choose like a master's program to go into, um, like I, you said that like yours don't seem too related, but at the end of the day, like you said, they're all like packaged. So when you're not really sure like exactly what field or area you're trying to go into, like how would finding a master's program like benefit you to like kind of weed out what you don't want to do and what you do want to do in the area of analytics? Well, um, with a master's program, I think that looking back, I wish that I would have picked a, a a program, like I did this very specific PhD program. If you can do something that's in a way somewhat generalized, but it's 
analytics. So you can get exposure to different, at least the fundamentals in analytics. And then from there, you can choose a career field that is more geared towards your interests. So maybe don't pick something very, very specific in a master's program if you can, unless it really interests you. Okay, I've got a follow-up question for this. So there are two programs that are coming to mind. So what I got was an MBA with a concentration in analytics. And then I think Christina, the program you got accepted to was just a master's of, it was it business analytics or data analytics or just master's of analytics? Um, it's a master's in business analytics. So it's like very specific to business analytics. Is that, do you, is that something that really interests you is, um, or you're not sure? It does interest me, but I think one of my, I guess you could call it fears, is going into something that is very specialized in that way and then maybe getting a job in it and not liking it. You know what you can do um, just to see how you feel about it is if maybe you can start working on some projects in your free time, um, business data sets, types of business domains, see how you feel about it right now before you commit. I, I can't believe how awesome that question is or that, that conversational thread because Christina has been working on a nonprofit impact analysis for a local nonprofit called Tried Local First. So, I mean, and this is cool for multiple because number one, yeah, she does get exposure to real world data analysis, but she also gets a portfolio piece because if you're building out an impact analysis for a nonprofit, they're going to use it for marketing materials. So you can actually share it to where like all the consulting work I've done, I've signed an NDA. I can't like post that out. Like that would be pretty bad. So Christina, what has been your experience working with Tribal First? Well, the data gathering portion was something I had like never really been exposed to. Um, and you know, getting all the data from the people that we needed to was kind of like the most difficult part of it, I would say. Um, and then building out the dashboard to like communicate those uh, findings to, you know, uh, tried local first. That was like the more fun part that I liked about it. Not so much like getting the data. Um, but yeah, so it was really just like building out the dashboard and, you know, being able to visualize those things, that was enjoyable for me. Do you want to share them how we actually went about building out that data collection process? Yes. So we used um, Google Forms and they, well, most of the, most of the data was collected like in person where somebody was going to like the local businesses and asking them to fill out the form there. Um, and that worked pretty well, but then there were also a couple that weren't reached that way. So you had to like kind of email them. And then a lot of times they like don't respond. So then that's like when it becomes like an issue, but the Google form being sent out to people was like really helpful. Cause it was very, it was like a really quick, like something you could do in like five minutes. Um, but there were some difficulties in when people were like inputting the data they weren't being either they were being too specific or like too general when they were like entering certain data points so that was like another thing that was like difficult to deal with at certain points so angela what, what are your thoughts on this because it's it sounds like christina if the data collection or working with dirty data is a huge headache for you maybe doing that kind of work is not I don't know. I mean, Angela, what are your thoughts? Maybe she should be like a visualization specialist or I don't know, maybe like a data steward. Well, um, working with dirty data seems to come up a lot. Um, but this uh, uh, data visualization um, analyst or business intelligence engineer, hmm, business intelligence engineer means you will be working directly with that data. And if it's messy, um, it, I haven't been able to get around that, but um, a job that focuses solely on data visualization may be something you really enjoy. Um, business spaces 
typically hire those people. So you, you might, your, the business intelligence, or I'm sorry, the business analytics field may work out just fine for you. And you can just be, you can work on just the data visualization part. Those jobs do exist. Uh, they're called different things though. So uh, you might be working with Tableau or Power BI. Right. Yeah. It, and I think that it depends on the, the specific organizational role you have. Because if you have a, a database administrator, um, you know, I actually haven't worked in one of these bigger companies, but my understanding is that they would model the data and do a pretty good job of cleaning it up. And then if you were just the visualization or, you know, maybe sales analyst, marketing analyst, then you could do that. I've been pretty fortunate in that I don't have to deal with very much dirty data because I work mostly with sales and marketing. And like, if I'm connecting directly to a Google Analytics um, instance, the data actually comes through pretty clean. So Angela, Very I, well, nice. yeah. And then, or like uh, if it's, um, for example, I've had clients who work, who use Clover or Stripe to collect their, um, their sales transactions, that data is automatically collected and it's pretty clean. So I, I, I do feel like I'm fortunate in the data sources that I work with. I feel kind of envious. <laughs> what, what data sources are you working with? I'm typically tapping directly into their database from Oracle or uh, MySQL, and it might come out, especially in healthcare. That, that can be some very messy data. Hmm. Um, so I've, I've dealt with dirty data, messy data for quite a while now. And for me, it, I haven't been able to avoid it, but it sounds like those roles exist where you can, you tap into very clean data and your job is to build the dashboards and visualizations. Um, that sounds great. And I know those jobs exist. So um, just the kind of spaces I've worked in, I haven't been able to make that work. Um, so Christina, what do you have any other follow-up questions for um, Angela about masters or so I think we touched on just the master's level, right? Because, and let me put this thought out there. I think a PhD, I've heard the saying, it's uh, what, a mile deep and an inch wide. So when you get a PhD, it's very specific. So if, if Christina, if you're worried about like it not, it your master's or your higher education being too specialized, maybe the PhD is not the right path. Angela, would you agree with that? Um, hmm, since I was able to make this work, I'm, I'm a little torn on how to answer that. So I think it kind of depends on what you really, what you really want, where you see your future going. A master's for most analytic roles works just fine. Um, the PhD can open up some doors, uh, and it's opened up some doors for me that may have not been open years ago. Uh, so I think it just really depends on what you're looking for, what your aspirations are. I wouldn't want to tell someone don't pursue a PhD if that's something you really want, but a master's is actually pretty adequate for a lot of roles. And a business analytics uh, master's program works fine for a lot of different roles. That would actually, most companies would probably be happy with that. So two things, what was your motivation for getting a PhD and what kind of opportunities did that open up for you? Um, my motivation was, is I, I wanted to specialize in health analytics and I wanted to work in a very, on, on, a, on a research type of level. So that was my real motivation. I also felt there was a lot of gaps in my education. Um, I felt like I wasn't, like I was working in analytics, but there's so much more I wanted to do in analytics and the PhD staff, they were, they were doing that. And so that's what, what kind of drove me that way. But I found out once I actually earned the PhD, um, different doors were opening, like roles that uh, with other types of companies where they hire a PhD staff. But I, I still see the same kind of job offers that I would have gotten without the PhD too. And my salary didn't necessarily change either. So, uh, yeah, there's that. It, it didn't just, it wasn't just a magical uh, uh, band-aid or fix for everything. It's still kind of the same market, still kind of the same jobs. Um, so I didn't necessarily need it for doing this work. It's something I personally wanted and I wanted to open up 
I wanted to do different types of work in analytics. So that is available to me now. Awesome. So Christina, any more follow-up questions? Um, so I was kind of trying to follow along like the timeline when you were saying, so you got your criminology in like 2006, seven and eight. Um, and you said you were working the entire time. So did you like jump right into your master's right after your undergrad? And then when you got the second master's, like was there like time in between or did you just like jump into each one? So the first master's degree, um, there wasn't much time in between. I just, I thought, okay, I should, honestly, the reason why I pursued the master's right after the bachelor's degree is because I was fired up. I really liked school. I loved learning. And also I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know like, okay, what's my future looking like? I had no idea at that time, but from the, uh, first master's to the second, there was about a year or two gap in which I was just working and uh, doing various things. And from the uh, second master's to the PhD, there was two years I didn't go to school and I was just working. So I think taking the time off was pretty valuable for me so I can kind of discover myself, figure out what I wanted to do, what I liked. Um, and that was when I thought a PhD in biomedical informatics was was great for me because I, I loved health data. Okay, yeah, it sounds like you kind of needed to take that time to like kind of figure out what you wanted to specialize in. So I did, yes. And if if anyone can do that, I'd recommend it. Um, it, it was also valuable. I needed to learn some things about myself. Um, I had other areas of my life I wanted to grow in and et cetera. So taking some time off really helped. Awesome. Um, Christina, you got, you got anything else? No, I don't have any other questions. All right, so now let's move into the Q&A section. Um, students, any other questions for Angela? All right, going once. Going twice. All right, we're going to move into the LinkedIn submitted questions. And Al, I'm going to let you take over. Let you host this. Okay. Um, so we have five questions today. And uh, the first one's kind of a, a two step. So we're going to call that 1A and 1B because they kind of relate. So Seth Scott asks Do you recommend establishing your personal brand on LinkedIn as opposed to another platform and why? And then the one B is from Deepa who asks, can you talk about the importance of creating an online presence as it relates to getting a data job? Okay. Um, so LinkedIn is really the only um, platform I've used for establishing a presence. Are there others? First, I guess I should ask that. I suppose you could, you know, a company page on Facebook they're talking about or uh, Twitter. There's a lot of, you know, pro professional uh, branding stuff that goes on on Twitter. So um, some some data pros I know use uh, Instagram. We, we actually established an Instagram account recently, so haven't done much with it. But I think there's different ways to attack it. But I, I think your answer is LinkedIn. The question is why. Um, reason why is I felt that I had access to other data professionals. I really started, so I should say that I really started using LinkedIn to just share what I was doing and working on and then it grew into uh, followers and me following other people and really being connected to a data um, community and so LinkedIn is all I've used um, and I recommend it uh, using it wisely uh, to really tap into that data community and sharing things that you're working on uh, maybe even sharing some personal experiences uh, that are professional <laughs> if if you'd like to, I've, I think people are really attracted to um, just genuine, being genuine and um, useful information. That that was all I did. I didn't even have a strategy. I just thought I'm going to, I just want to know I'm not the only person on this data island here in Albuquerque. And it grew into something much more. So LinkedIn is all I use. It's all I'm on. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, can you talk about how, if, if applicable, how did that help you uh, with your employment opportunities? Yeah, so um, 
because other people would comment on things that I shared or work that I've done, um, it the reach became far and wide. And so um, I, I'm actually adjunct through uh, with New York University NYU uh, because of a, of a LinkedIn post that I made. And uh, I was contacted by one of the heads of the program and, and I was asked, would you like to teach for us? And, so that was one opportunity. I'm teaching data visualization uh, in uh, Masters of Health Administration. Oh, that's awesome. Um, How are you liking that? Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I love it. It's really, I've, I'm learning as I'm teaching. So I feel like I'm actually retaining more. I'm learning things that I didn't even consider because I'm teaching the material. Yeah. Well, what I'm realizing about teaching is that, so I, I'm teaching one adjunct class at Greensboro College and one adjunct class at HPU. And it's like, I have to get up and I have to give four public talks a week. So it's like, I'm getting like extra reps in as far as that communication skill goes. Cause yeah, I feel like I have to be on, um, it's oddly draining, like having to put together a presentation and make sure that it's good and it's engaging. I shouldn't say draining. It's more, it takes more energy than I had initially thought. I thought you would just throw a slide up and then talk about it. But there's a lot more that goes into it, I think. There's a lot of prep work. So before I demo how to build a dashboard or recreate a dashboard or make it over, I I needed to do that first on my own. Mm, right. So that I'm not in there like, um, I think this does this. So yeah, there's a lot of prep work and I actually do the homework. So like when I'm asked questions, how do you do this? I'm not there like winging it. I did the homework too, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's prep work involved. <laughs> um, yeah, but back, back to the question. Um, I, I think that on LinkedIn, on a place like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, if you're smart and you're strategic about what you're doing, um, and you're not on there, like sliding into people's DMS and asking them inappropriate questions, because people do that too sometimes. Um, you can actually gain exposure on LinkedIn and you may get job offers on LinkedIn. I've spoken to several data scientists that said they, the work that they get is through LinkedIn. Absolutely, yeah. Our uh, previous episode guest, Christina Sithopoulos, she landed her consulting job at Google through LinkedIn. Yeah. So, are you friends I, with her? Um, I am okay. on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, so yeah, you're, you're LinkedIn with her. Um, but yeah, she told her, she told us that story of how she got connected with Google. And I mean, it's, it's, it's wild how you can build your own personal brand and it actually brings opportunity into your life. Yes. I, I was just kind of blown away. So, um, yeah, sharing meaningful things, sharing things you're working on, uh, doing coding challenges and sharing that people, people appreciate that. And you may get a following and have people offer you work. In addition to you building your own portfolio, things that you're working on at inside and outside of school, um, it's it takes a while. It doesn't happen right away. So um, I think for me, it probably took a couple of years before I got to that point where people were contacting me for work. Fantastic. Okay. So um, we'll, we'll touch on another one that Deepa asked that I think is kind of asked and answered, but I'll see if you've got anything to add. So she asked, uh, has your PhD helped in your analytics career? And if so, how? It has, um, and it, it's helped because it, um, during the PhD program, I learned to be very, very self-motivated, self-sufficient in a way that I didn't necessarily have during even the master's degree. Writing the dissertation, that took some real effort every day. Um, and uh, I, I learned how to kind of solve problems in different ways. And so uh, I think that I can approach problems differently in various methods. I can get creative now in ways that I didn't necessarily know how to do during my master's program, but also during my PhD, I started building my portfolio. I started really building my online presence. I, I think I made a, a decision that I was going to become that package I wanted companies to know I can do this and here's why and how. So it was uh, during the PhD, a lot of stuff was happening um, that I think helped me 
in a in a personal and um, professional way. So it wasn't just the degree. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that helps the viewers a lot, especially the ones going into advanced degrees. Um, so another uh, another question, talking about the the platforms that have helped you. We've got LinkedIn. We've got the the degree and the and the work that you did, and then your portfolio. Also asking, um, you've shared experiences using blogs, uh, dealing with your internship, 100 Days of Code. Um, can you talk to how blogging has helped you either personally or professionally? Yes, um, blogging helped me personally because it's almost like a professional diary or a journal. It's able to, I, I did this professional program with Insight and there's some parts of it that didn't go as well as I really wanted it to, but I was transparent about that. And so um, it helped me personally because of that reason I was able to put this out there. But people contacted me professionally asking me about whether they should go into the Insight program and, and uh, it, how it helped me and if it helped me. Uh, it's almost like uh, the, the Insight program is a big decision from, for some people. I was able to take time off work, but other people may be in a different situation. So um, sharing my experience kind of helped guided other, other decisions uh, for other people. Um, professionally, Insight, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag uh, or blogging. Um, I, I'm not totally sure how it's helped me professionally per se, but another thing with the exposure is people were reading it and then they'd go look at other parts of my portfolio and CV and may be interested in talking to me about work based on other parts of that website that they viewed. So kind of like it was just exposure in a way, which that's not what I was intending to do, but it just, the reach was far and wide. Yeah, I would imagine it humanizes you as well. You're not, you're not just blocks of code and projects and dashboards. It's, it shows that, you know, your thoughts about the process. Yeah, and um, honest thoughts. So I, I didn't sugarcoat yeah. anything. Good. Awesome. Um, so Malena Agudelo asked, uh, what, what has been your favorite project in your career and why? That's a really good question. Hmm. Um, you know, I think I'm going to say my dissertation. Uh, and although that's not necessarily in my professional life, it's more like my academic life, but I put so much time into it. It was years of work. Um, I kind of developed my own way of approaching problems, solving problems. I uh, didn't really receive help. So this is, it was all me. And I think that's, that's been the, the thing I'm proudest of is that I was able to complete this on my own. I developed my own style. Uh, I think my dissertation would be my proudest moment. Okay. I was actually going to say you couldn't use your dissertation, but that was such a good answer that uh, we'll accept it. Okay. So, uh, okay, so last question, uh, Abe Diaz, friend of the show asks, um, how do you think you developed your analytical mindset during your data journey? And when I first got this question, I don't think it resonated quite as much, but when you talked um, during the show about starting with a GED and as a, as a high school dropout, um, and, and I think you talked about at that point, I don't think you had the analytical mindset. So clearly that was, that was developed during your education now what, what what can you trace that back to can you was was there an event was there a, a class or a process that you think helped you the most well i think being exposed to data analytics in way back when 2005 and 2006 um maybe a little uh, light went off but it wasn't quite i was like this is interesting i didn't quite understand it and then um, later on during the public administration program was when I was actually analyzing data for a very specific reason. Uh, so the more exposure I got, the more it, the light started to you know, brighten. And then um, really during between the, uh, the master's degrees, actually after I graduated from the master's program in 2014 to when I started working, uh, I was working for a, uh, uh, a company that placed um, healthcare, health, health equipment in homes. Um, I was actually analyzing data in that role. And that's when the light turned on was when I got that first job in which my sole purpose was to analyze data. So that was 
things started to kind of make sense. So I think that was like my first step into that journey. And then I worked for another healthcare company where my sole purpose analyzed data. Then it really turned on. So I, I kind of followed that. I started doing research after hours, doing working on projects uh, on my own, um, reading statistics books, taking statistics courses, kind of refreshing my memory from school. Um, it was almost like the first job I got sparked my real interest. So I was working in this field and I wanted to go all in. And so that, that was where it really started for me. That's, that's really cool. Cause I was just thinking as you're answering that, that's a very similar to, to something that Alex Freiberg talks about that basically he learned to be a data analyst when he got hired as a data analyst. So that's um, exactly yeah. it. Awesome. But so somebody asked how, oh, I'm sorry. Somebody nope, asked, how do you even get that job? Um, and you can, you don't have to be like me where you just fall into it. And it's like, here I am. Um, you can actually, you can guide yourself towards that. Um, you can start working on projects early, build a portfolio, start packaging your resume so that it, it's attractive to companies that are looking for analysts. Um, for me, I had to develop these things as I was working there. Yeah, actually, one of uh, the students in my cohort, um, Ben Knopf, he, he's not on the call. Um, his baseball team actually has an away game, so they were on the road during this uh, the recording of this. But um, he just got a job in D.C. as a cost analyst for um, a contract, a government contracting organization. So, yeah, I mean, he but he knew that he wanted to get an analytics job, started building the right skill, got the analytics minor. Um, just ha happened that someone he knew was hiring for that kind of position. So, I mean, it, it just worked out, which is awesome. There's lots of analytics jobs to go around. You think so? I've, I've, I, I I've do, heard actually. that there's, there is at like, I don't know, three or four years ago, there was a huge supply demand differential where there was a bigger demand than there was a supply, but now I've heard it's somewhat starting to adjust. Would you... What, do you agree well, with not what you're seeing? It might be where you live. Oh. Another thing, I live in an area which there are probably more analytics jobs than professionals. Um, so I, I suppose that might be true depending on what part of the country you're in. Hmm. And what what companies you're applying to. I, I would imagine there are some companies where they get flooded with applicants. Right, like um, the, the big fang companies. I'm sure yeah. they have just a plethora of options to choose from. But you don't have to start with one of those. It can be, you can start with a smaller company. That's where I started. I started with a startup, a place that no one's heard of. And I kind of moved into different fields. I was actually finding out what I like to do while I was working. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I don't like this. Or I do like this. Well, I would say that's the bit, one of the biggest benefits of working with a smaller company is that you may be wearing two or three different hats. And then you get to, with one job, you get to try out maybe three different kind of avenues of, of work and then find one that you like, then iterate your next job could be even more focused on that, maybe a promotion up. Yeah. Or a completely different domain. Yeah, that's true. So. That, that's been the beauty of analytics. There's, I've just been kind of, I don't, I don't want to say I've been all over the place, but I've been able to move into different areas. It's like, that sounds interesting. And I do have the foundational skills. I'll try that. Oh, that's perfect. Cool. So Al, that's, uh, you, that's, we've wrapped up the Q&A section. That, that is all we have. And uh, on behalf of Marine Corps Public Affairs, I apologize for that Osprey that flew overhead uh, while I was unmuted. Oh, I didn't notice it didn't go directly over it you're in the you look <laughs> like you're in the forest i'm close enough yeah it's a, it's a parking lot on the edge of the forest okay <laughs> awesome well angela this was fantastic um thank you so much for sharing your story and and kind of being a little vulnerable there i had no idea that you got a ged um i was embarrassed for a long time you know i wasn't willing to like shout that from the rooftops but now it's like since it's also part of my package it's like this is where i came from this is where i'm at where i'm at is what matters and the journey matters as well because 
it was it developed who I am right now. So cherish the journey. Uh, don't wow. don't focus too much on your past. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.